0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Church podcast. We are one church at five locations streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message, and if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Good morning, faith. Welcome today. Good to have everybody here. Take your Bibles out and turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19 looks like some of you are still looking for that lost hour of sleep and uh, hope you will engage this morning with us this is a this is a great time to be at faith church today because we got some exciting things coming up rally nights tonight and uh, we're gonna do some leadership development leadership training so if you're one of our uh, faith team members here we want you to come and if you want to get involved somewhere in ministry come as well and maybe tonight the Lord will just kind of lead you where you can serve and where you can get plugged in at. Also, Iron Sharpens Iron Saturday. That's always an incredible time. We have some of the best speakers coming in for our men to challenge them. Uh, Jeff Kemp, you saw him earlier. He'll be one of our speakers. He'll be here with us next Sunday morning as well, so you will not want to miss that. An incredible speaker. Um, have you ever uh, stopped to think about the people in your life? Who, who's in your life? Who do we surround ourselves with, and who am I committed to, and who is committed to me? There's, there's an old saying, like attracts like. And you can just see it so clearly, and it happens in all that we do. Uh, depressed people seem to find each other. And they all get together, and they're all depressed, and they just it's, just, it's just, when you get with them, it's like you want to go out and commit suicide. It's really bad. And uh, they, they gravitate, they, they follow each other. Negative people. They all want to gripe and complain and grumble, but they'll find somebody else with the same kind of attitude. It's a griper, grumbler, complainer, and they just seem to kind of pull together, and you find them all kind of uh, birds of a feather flock together kind of thing. And hurtful people, people that have been hurt, they look for other people who've been hurt. And when hurt people have been hurt bad, they tend to hurt others. And just kind of follow. But on the other hand, positive Exciting people love to be together because we lift each other up, we encourage each other, we love to be around positive, friendly, happy, excited people. Prayer warriors understand the unity factor in spiritual warfare and prayer warriors, people who love to pray, love to seek God somehow find each other, they intercede together and pray together and so that my question is, you know a lot about who you are by the friends you keep. Look around. See who your best buddies are, who your closest friends are, and that will tell you a lot about yourself and what you're like and who's committed to you, who are you committed to, who are you doing life with. Now, when we come to this perspective of the cross today, we're going to come to five people who are right there at the foot of the cross. These are the ones who are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not going to leave aside. They're going to be there no matter what happens, what jeopardy it might bring upon their own lives. Last week, we looked at Centurion. He was a man under authority, a man under orders. He's carrying out the orders like he'd always done before, carrying out the execution in the city of Jerusalem and they would take him outside the gates of the city and there he would be crucified. And yet because he'd done it many, many times before, this execution was unlike any other he had ever done. Because when he gets the perspective of Jesus Christ, he winds up saying, Truly, this was the Son of God, and his life is radically transformed by Jesus Christ. We looked at that last week. This week we're going to look at five who are right there at the foot of the cross. These are close to Jesus Christ. They're committed to him. They're not going to leave no matter what happens. Let's stand together and let's read it in God's Word today. John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. And near the cross, look at those words, those three words. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Let's pray. Father... We love you so much. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. I thank you, God, for these lessons we're going to learn today about it what it means to draw close to you. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the cross. We thank you you gave your life for us, and we're thankful because of that it brings us into relationship with you. So open up the word of God today. May it be quick and powerful and do its intended purpose, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them it looks like they could have used an extra hour's sleep, and uh, then you may be seated. Last week, I took, went into, uh, gave you a lot of detail on what death by crucifixion meant. And how, what an agony, agonizing death it was and how it was carried out. And we looked at the scourging and what takes place when someone is scourged. And we looked at the nails and we looked at the physical ramifications of crucifixion and how suffocation kicks in and eventually the the person on the cross dies. It killed every victim that was ever hung on the cross. But one of the things that we also see happening around Calvary, and you see it in all the Gospels, where you see the jeering and the mocking going on. And remember we said last week that the cross was actually at ground level. It was right on one of the major thoroughfares, one of the major roads, and so anybody going by could pass uh, insults they could make fun of him and, and you even see some of the jeers recorded they said surely if you're the son of god come off that cross and they would laugh and have a big time of it and they mocked him as he's bleeding to death and dying there in pain and agony and they said you call yourself the king of the jews what kind of king dies like that and on and on it went and the taunts came but there are five there who were the bible says we're near the cross They would not leave his side. They were right there the entire time by the cross. He names four ladies and one man. The the, the first lady we see is Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. Magdalene wasn't her last name. It's the area she came from. She came from the region of Magdala, and her name was Mary. And so the Bible says in Luke chapter 8 that out of her had been cast seven demons, you can imagine a lady who's demon-possessed, the suicidal thoughts that ran through her heart, the, 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 the changes in mood, the depression she faced because of the demon possession, the torment. She was in constant morning, noon, and night. There was no peace. There's erratic behavior going on, continual bondage. And yet I will tell you, demons have to flee at a greater power, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ encounters her, and the Bible says, out of her he casts seven demons under the authority of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, that woman is going to be right there by the cross. It doesn't matter what anyone would say to her, how they would look at her, how they would treat her, because she had been delivered and set free by the bondage of Satan himself. She's not leaving that cross. The person who's been forgiven much loves much. God set us free and redeemed us, and given us everlasting life. Some of you in here were alcoholics, some of you were drug addicts, some of you were involved in sexual addictions, We're lost in sin, and Jesus comes in and sets us free. How can we leave the cross? She's right there. Another lady that is there is another Mary. Her name is, she's the wife of Clopas. Uh, Matthew and, and Mark add that she was the mother of James and Joseph, and not much is told about this Mary, but she is there as well, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's hard to keep all the Marys straight. You've got Mary of Magdala, you've got Mary, the wife of Clopas, you've got Mary, the mother of Jesus. One Mary who is not here was Mary of Bethany. Uh, Mary of Bethany happened to be the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus and she is not listed among these five here although she may have been somewhere in the crowd and so Mary must have been a great common name because there's a lot of Marys running around and sometimes we get them confused and then there was Mary's sister the Bible says was there her name was Salome and we learn that also in Matthew and Mark's gospel she is the wife of Zebedee. And they are the parents of James and John. So James and John, sons of Zebedee, was married to Salome. They all grew up together in the region of Galilee. And so if, if uh, Salome is the sister of Mary, it would make James and uh, John the half cousins of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was also born of Mary and so they probably grew up together, knew each other very well and yet on one occasion when he meets his childhood friend by the sea fishing and he says, go out and throw your net out again, this time he pulls the net and sees a great harvest of fish. From that moment on, John became a follower of the Jesus Christ and followed him for the next three and a half years and now John, the beloved, is also going to be at the foot of Calvary, at the foot of the cross. It took courage to be there and stand there in the midst of hatred in ridicule, to see the pain, to see the blood, to see the suffering, to see all that is going on, and yet those five who are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, what an encouragement to Jesus. Can you imagine everybody's mocking him, he's being killed by his own, they all turn on him, and yet he also being human as well, fully God, fully man, he experienced all this abandonment, and yet there are five faithful followers right there, and they're committed to the Lord Jesus Christ in his suffering. It's amazing. We need people like that in our life. When I'm hurting, when I'm broken, when I'm going through a a tough time, a difficult time, who are the five that I can count on? Who will be beside me through those dark journeys that we go through? We need other members of the body of Christ. And there they were at the foot of Jesus Christ. Matthew and Mark will record that these ladies move further away because at the time Jesus dies, it says, from a distance, they saw him die on that occasion. Peter was also in the crowd. You may not realize that, but Peter himself says in 1 Peter that he was an eyewitness to the sufferings of Jesus Christ and to the death of Jesus Christ, and for him to be an eyewitness, he had to be somewhere out there in the crowd watching Jesus Christ as he was being crucified, probably crying, probably weeping because he betrayed him and denied him, but he's there nonetheless. But this morning, I want to focus on two, the two that Jesus Christ spoke to, Mary, his mother, and John, his disciple. They were there together. In the most testing time, Jesus found them near the cross. Mary's there, and now she realizes all the words that Simeon had prophesied 33 years earlier. Remember when when they take Jesus Christ to be dedicated to the temple after he's born? Simeon is there waiting in the temple for the consolation of Israel. And he takes Jesus Christ, and he says that this child will cause the rise and fall of many. And, he, and she told Mary, yet a sword shall pierce through your soul also. And now she's experiencing the full thrust of that sword that would pierce her soul when she sees her own son hanging on the cross. I, I've, I've never had to lose a child. But I can imagine it's got to be the most painful thing a mother can go through is to lose a son or a daughter. And so here she is at the foot of the cross. His disciples may have deserted him, his friends may have forsaken him, the nation may have despised and turned on him, but mom will never leave her son. She is right there by Calvary, right there by the cross. Even though crucifixion is graphic, painful, it is unfair, it is difficult, it is lonely, she remains right by the cross. And I can imagine all the thoughts that are flooding his mother's mind as she looks upon his body hanging there, can't even recognize him. There's so much blood over his body and yet all these thoughts are going through her head. There's about four times in the word of God it said Mary pondered these things in her heart. First time as she ponders anything in her mind in her heart was when the angel appeared to her and said behold Mary, you're highly favored among women. You're gonna have the son of God is gonna be birthed with inside of you. I don't think she felt she was highly favored initially because she's not married. But as she began to think about it, the Bible says she pondered those things in her heart and she realized, I am going to give birth to, to the Son of God. His name will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And she makes the, and, and she makes the journey pregnant she goes from Nazareth down to Bethlehem and she gets there and finds an unsanitary condition where she will go where she will go through the pain of childbirth and the Bible says the shepherds came and they bowed down and began to worship Jesus Christ and again the Bible says and she pondered these things in her heart of what manner of child this would be so always thinking, always pondering and she comes and finds Jesus at age 12 and he's in the temple and he's confounding all the teachers and the theologians and, and they've lost him for a while and they said, Jesus, where have you been? We've been looking all over for you and she said, he says, I must be about my father's business and again the Bible says, and she pondered this in her heart. And so there's this realization that's coming upon Mary of who she is raising right now in her own home. She has in her house the Son of Almighty God. She's raising him up and he's gonna be the Savior and she's thinking about all this and now she sees him hanging on a cross. At age 30, word comes to Jesus Christ that now his cousin John had been preaching in the desert, baptizing in the Jordan. And Jesus says, Mary, I gotta go. I gotta leave. It's time. My time has come. Now's the time to launch my ministry. So at age 30, he leaves the house. Now, he had pretty much taken over for his father, Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says, was a carpenter, although better translations would say he's a home builder. So he built homes. He built houses. And there wasn't a lot of wood in this area, so most of the houses were built out of stones or out of rocks. So he's probably a stonemason. And he would take over for his father, the job, but now he would have to leave his mom. And I can imagine when he's walking down the road, he takes off his nail apron, he sets down his chisel and his hammer and his other tools, and he begins to leave the house because it's time to get into his ministry. I imagine Mary cried a little bit. You ever had to leave a son behind that's been with you all this time or a daughter behind? How many in here had to go drop someone off at college, a son or a daughter? Did you cry or not? Come on, be honest with me. Did you guys boo-hoo all the way home? This son who drove you crazy for the last 18 years, now you're crying like a baby because he's gone. How many had to walk a a daughter down the aisle? Man, let me see your hand. You had to walk your daughter down the aisle. What a a tough time that was because you're giving them to some guy who doesn't deserve her. He's not good enough for your daughter. So you're crying because she's leaving the house, but you're crying because he's gonna be with that? And they cry all over again. But these have got to be the hardest heaving tears and emotions that Mary has ever felt. The Bible says in Matthew nineteen twenty nine, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, we can take the part where it's okay to leave houses, but it's tough to leave father and mother and brothers and sisters for my sake. He says, you know what? The good news is you will inherit a 100 times more in this life, in everlasting life. What is he talking about? Jesus Christ is beginning to establish the framework that there is a much larger family than our natural flesh and blood family, and that's called the family of God. And so even if I have to go on the mission field or leave my family behind for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news is I am a part of a much larger family that will be with me now, but also for everlasting life. we are the family of God we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and so we are family Jesus Christ was preparing his disciples for that bigger eternal family his children would become a part of from then on Mary would love her son from a distance after he left the house she would be on the edge of the crowd, couldn't get into the house on several occasions because there's so many people gathered around the home. She would watch him at the wedding of Cain of Galilee. She would see him on the shores of Galilee itself, the Sea of Galilee. But on this day, she gets as close as she can. She's gonna be right by the cross. And this would be the hardest goodbye she would ever have to make because in this occasion, Jesus Christ would die. My, uh, many of you know the story of my brother. I won't go into a lot of detail just to simply say he was tr- 34 years ago this month. He uh, passed away. He was traveling around the world on a boat called the Semester at Sea, and they had given him malaria pills for when he would go into Africa and go on the safaris there, and the malaria pills had sulfa in it. And the sulfa created an allergic reaction in his body. He got what is known as Steven Johnson syndrome, which turns your skin black and attacks the vital organs. And by the time we got hold of mom and dad, he was in Sri Lanka, which is south of India, and they flew to where he was, and they got there about six hours before he passed away. And so they were able to be with him for a short time. And I grieved. I mean, he, we were like best friends, and he was my brother, and dad grieved. But nobody grieved like my mom. My mom cried and cried and cried and cried, and she could not be consoled, and she could not understand, and she could not. And, and we'd catch her every night. She'd be going through pictures and flipping through all these pictures of my day after day. She grieved heavily for six years, and Dad loved her so much, and he's, he was a patient man, and they grieved together through most of it, but it was a long time before she began to get on with her life again. Grieving, the the pain, the, the depth, the hurt, the sorrow. And Mary is feeling every one of these emotions as she stands there right at the foot of the cross. And now Jesus speaks these words and says, woman, behold your son. Now, I don't think she's talking about himself right here. She's talking about someone else, John, who's standing right by her. And he said, Woman, behold your son. Now you have a new son, and his name is John. And I think when he says that, John puts his arms around her and draws her a little bit closer and holds him near to himself because he's going to take that responsibility for himself. The Bible, it's interesting to note, the Bible records, get this. Mary has four other sons after Jesus Christ is born, and it names them by name. You ever wonder why one of the other boys didn't step up and take care of their mother? Why Jesus puts him in the care of John and not one of his half-brothers? It's because the Bible says that at this point, his brothers did not believe on him. And so in Jesus' mind, he would rather have her in the care of John, the beloved disciple, as a son uh, than than one of his other half-brothers who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying kingdom relationships are more important than even earthly relationships on the earth. The best family you will ever, ever have is your eternal family. Now it's awesome when your kids know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's awesome when your natural brothers know the Lord Jesus Christ. But when that is not happening, your closest family is right here At Faith Church, they're all around you. These are your brothers and sisters. And so he would say to us today, behold your mother, behold your brother, behold your sister, look around. You're the one who came here today because you love Jesus. This is your new family. And he tells that to Mary. John's gonna take over. He is gonna be your new son And so in difficult times, where does Jesus Christ find you? Are you near the cross? Do you get as close to him as you can when you're going through a trial or a test or a struggle in some way or another? The Bible says John was also there near the cross. He's the only disciple that is listed near the cross. Peter watched from a distance. John, the beloved, is near the cross, and he is right there. The others fled. They fled for their life. They think, you know what? If we're hanging around there, we might be killed too because we're followers of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they all went and they hid out and they fled in fear when Jesus Christ is arrested. And they're not there around the cross, but one disciple makes it back. Now you wonder, why didn't the ladies run? Why were they there? They probably weren't in fear for their lives because the ladies were no threat to the kingdom, no threat to Rome, and so ladies weren't worried about getting arrested probably, most likely, and so they are right there as close to the cross as they can get, but there's one disciple that would not leave, he would not run away, he would not flee, his name is John. It's interesting, John describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, In fact, in John's gospel, the only place you find that phrase is in John's gospel because he wrote the book of John and so he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He says it five times. Now, at first glance, you might think he's bragging. I'm the guy he loved. I'm the best disciple. He loved me more than anybody else. I'm amazing, look at me. No, I don't don't get that from John. You don't get it from his writings because in John 13, one, he says, he loved his own which were in the world. He loved them to the end. In other words, every one of us who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ could call ourselves the disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't that awesome? We're that guy. We're that girl. We're, We're the one he loves. We're the one he cares about. Like the father who tells his son, you know what, son, you're my favorite son in the whole world. Goes to his other son, you know what, son, you're my favorite son in the whole world. Goes up to his daughter, you're my favorite daughter, you're my favorite child, you're my favorite whatever. And and they think they're the best, they start comparing notes. No, I'm the favorite, no, I'm the favorite. We're all the favorite, we're all loved by almighty God. We are his favorite, he loves us, he gave his life for us. And so I don't think John's bragging, he just realizes who he is in Christ Jesus, the disciple whom he loved. And then in verse 27, he makes this statement. He says, behold your mother. To Mary, behold your son. And then the reason I think he's talking to John here and not about himself, he says, to Mary, then behold your, or to John, behold your mother. There's some lessons that I think we can learn from this simple story this morning. The first is simply this, listen to me, you never stop honoring your parents. When it said, this is the first commandment with promise, honor your father and your mother, honor them, honor them, it doesn't apply to just when your kids are in the house with you, less than teenagers, if you're in here, if you're still living at home, yes, you honor your father and your mother, and you obey your father and your mother, but you will honor them the rest of your life. You will come to a point, if you live long enough, where you have to take care of your elderly parents. and You'll do exactly what Jesus Christ did. You'll make sure they have a home, make sure they have a place, Make sure they're loved, make sure they're taken care of, make sure somebody's watching over them, whether you do that in your own house, whether you take care of their needs, whether it's in one of your brother's or sister's house, whether you put them in a nice home somewhere. Whatever you do, you will make sure that your parents are taken care of in their latter days. That's the way we honor father and mother. And we see Jesus Christ doing that right here. I think the second lesson is this. As a child of God, we understand that God will provide and he will protect us. And so here's exactly what he's doing with his mother. He's protecting her, making sure she's gonna be protected, making sure she's gonna be provided for and taken care of because Joseph is gone. She's a widow. Widows had a very rough way to go in this day and age. So a child would usually have to pick up the slack and take care of taking care of their parents, especially if they were a widow. Widow. In fact, Paul writes, if you don't take care of your parents or your your family, you are worse than an infidel. It's a responsibility we have. And yet he's going to make sure she's provided for and protected by John. Listen to me. Because we are children of God, God is our provider, he will take care of us, he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he will take care of us. The third thing you see here is his incredible love. God is love. And can you imagine? He's dying on the cross, but who's he thinking about? His mom. He's thinking about his disciple. He's thinking about the thief on the other side of him. He's thinking about all those who are crucifying when he cries, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God is love all the way to the very end. He never ever stops loving. And the good news is no matter what you do or how bad you've been or where you've journeyed to or how far you've gotten away from the cross, God still loves you. I want you to know that today. God cares about you. God has a plan for you and he loves you very much. God is love. And the fourth lesson I think we see right here is he provides for his people by using others. Notice this, it says, and John John took Mary into his home. He's going to take her into his house. Utility bill goes up. I don't know what the have. Utility bills are not. Probably not. Food bill is going to go up. Another bed's going to be taken up. Inconvenience. All these things are going on. And yet he takes her into his home. The way God will care for his people is he uses other members in the body of Christ reach out and love them and shelter them and provide for them and care for them. He will use you to minister to somebody else. We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his eyes, we're the ones who in the body of Christ care for each other in the body. So that it says in 1 Corinthians 12, when one member of the body suffers, we all suffer with that member. When one rejoices, we all rejoice and we help pick up the slack and we bear one another's burdens in the family of God. That's what we're called to do. You see, when you are brought near to the cross, you're also brought near to a brand new family. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. One couple amens. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't love his people. I don't love his church. I want to be left alone. I want to do my own thing, my own way. It's an impossibility. When you're near the cross, it's always, behold your mother Behold your brother, behold your sister, behold your daughter, because we are all a part of the family of God, and it was made possible by the death of Jesus Christ. His blood and his sacrifice makes us one body. That's why he says every time you take communion, you discern the body of Christ, not his physical body. We discern one another and the body of Christ. We don't take in a selfish way. We care about each other. We love each other. And so it's that communion that also celebrates our unity in the family of God and the body of Christ. Care for each other. The cross, we're brought together in a new spiritual family. At Faith Church, we are committed to one another. So we never ignore somebody. We don't shut them out. We don't say, I don't need you, but we hear the Lord say to us, behold thy mother and thy brother and thy sister. Jesus' words to John from the cross, back up an earlier teaching, turn to Luke chapter eight. I want you to see this, Luke chapter eight. I think we miss this sometimes. We we fail to realize what it means to be a part of a spiritual family. And it's exciting. Luke eight, verse 19 Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him and they were not able to get near the house because of the crowd, so they're at a distance. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. In other words, let's make room, let's get your family in here, let's gather them around and clear out some space for them. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. He said, There is a spiritual family that is even more important than my natural family. It is my brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God near the cross where they need to be. So I have a couple of questions for you today. How close to the cross will you go? Are you like some who are watching from afar, watching from a distance, but I don't want to get too close? If I get too close, I'll be identified with Jesus. They'll know I'm a Christ follower. It might cost me something. My reputation might be damaged or be in some way. If I get too close to the cross. How close to the cross are you willing to get today? Or do you want to just watch from afar? It's going to cost Are we willing to make that cost and pay that price? Do we flow with the crowd? Do we go with whatever crowd we're with? One day uh, I'm in church and I'm with this crowd today and I'm looking real spiritual, but I'm going to party it up this weekend and I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to sleep around and do my drugs and do the pornography and do what I want to do. I'll watch from afar. I'll come on Sunday. I'll identify with the church to a little extent. Uh, I'll observe from a distance. We're willing to embrace the cross. How close are you going to get? And then my second question is this. Who in your family are you committed to? I'm not talking about your natural family. Who in your spiritual family are you committed to today? Who have you opened your life to today? Who are you allowing into your life? Who is speaking into your life? Who, who is helping you and encouraging you and lifting you up and, and discipling you and who is sharpening that ax like iron sharpens iron? Who is, who is watching your life to hold you accountable? Are we really committed to one another in the family of God? Or are we going through the motions? Hmm. Do we have the same concern for one another that Jesus showed for his mother and showed for John? Will we be, be there for others in their time of need when they're going through it Are we going to be there with them? Will we open up our hearts and even our home to those in need? Do we do that? Do we say, you know what? You need a place to stay. I got an extra bedroom. Come stay with me. Yeah, it's going to cost you some utilities. Yes, it's going to cost you some food. Yes, you may be inconvenienced. But are we really going to take the words of Christ seriously? We say, you know what? It's me and my wife. I got five bedrooms in this house, but... uh, Or do you have seats in your car you can bring somebody to church? Who are we committing to in the family of God? Who is committing to us? Who is speaking into your life right now? Hmm. That's what family is all about. When we encounter Christ and then his cross, not only do we see him in a new perspective, but we have a new perspective on everybody else around us because I am added to a family. Hmm. Last time we see Mary is in an upper room. You'll never see her again after that. You never hear her mentioned in all the rest of scripture, but you will see her one more time. She's listed with some others. There's 120 up there in an upper room. And there's also some other people listed there in the upper room. There's Jesus' other four brothers there in the upper room because after the resurrection, they had seen Jesus Christ alive and well and said, man, my half-brother really was the son of God. He really was who he said he was because he's alive today. And they're up there together in the upper room and Jesus said, you know what, I'm going away, but it's okay if I go away, I will send back to you another comforter. And he says, go and wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And they're having a prayer meeting up there and God pours out his Holy Spirit. And those 120 people are all filled with the Holy Spirit and they become the nucleus for the early church that it would later be said of them, these are those who have turned the world upside down. We go to the cross and beyond, and we begin to change our world around us. And that's the Mary and the John we see here today. And their perspective is radically changed at Calvary. But he not only changes their perspective, but we change our perspective for one another in the family of God. Behold your mother, behold your son. A whole new perspective when we come close to Calvary. He brings you into family. How are you connected? How are you connected? Are you connected to him? And are you connected to his church? Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.